Hello, and welcome to the first bonus episode of Screaming Through the Ages. I am your host, Trey Whetstone. This will be the first of hopefully many of these in the future. I'll be labeling these under appendix when you look in the podcast feed, so you know it's not part of the main topic we're discussing. These can be anything from our topic tonight, which will discuss the films of a current year, and what I'll be doing at the end of the year, either in December or January, where I'll be going back through the films of 2021. I also might do a separate topic in the future that I don't think would fit into a normal chapter. We can talk about that later. I have a couple of those in mind going forward. It's just a matter of when they're going to come out. Which brings me to the topic for tonight's episode, 1990, A Year in Review. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the horror films of 1990, a little bit of what was going on at the time, give you a breakdown of how the box office looked, which films performed well that year, and at the very end, I'll be going through my list of top 20 horror films from 1990. Now, why 1990 sounds like a weird year to pick? Well, 1990 was the year I was born, so I thought that would be fun to start off with, and give you a little background on the year 1990, but also about myself and personal taste. If you're not aware of the kind of horror films I'm into, this maybe give you a little taste of how I rank things and where certain films stand on my list. Start off a little bit with what's going on at the time. 1990 is a weird year. I've always looked at it as the calm before the storm. I think after 1990, Things really start to get bad with 90s horror, at least in the first half of the decade. I don't know why we always refer to things in terms of their decade. Most of the time, it's better to break things up into little groupings of a few years to see trends. We always lump, you know, horror films from the 80s, horror films from the 70s, horror films from the 90s, so on and so forth. But why would we do that when a film releasing in early... 1990 would be very different from a film releasing in 1999. Would you compare Candyman to something like I Know What You Did Last Summer and say those films were released in a similar time period? Would you say those are similar films? Would you compare something like Misery to something like Idle Hands that came out later in the decade? That's where my hang-up is with that. I've never really seen the value in referring to something as just an 80s horror film or a 90s horror film. As we'll go on through other topics, you're going to see the late 80s, early 90s are much closer together in their trends and the types of films that were being made and the feel of those films than anything from the early 80s to the late 80s or the late 90s to the early 90s. So I mentioned the calm before the storm. At this point, the slasher craze had ended except for some sequels that were getting put out every year. And these sequels would continue to get put out later into the 90s. If we want to take a look at just the sequels released in 1990, there were a few more when I was researching this, but I had never heard of them or the original ones for that matter, so I didn't include them. But I have 14 sequels just in 1990 alone. We had The Amityville Curse, Basket Case 2, Bride of Reanimator, Child's Play 2, The Exorcist 3, Gremlins 2, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Maniac Cop 2, Predator 2, Prom Night 3, Psycho 4, Puppet Master 2, 
Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, and Slumber Party Massacre 3. Right off the bat, that is a lot of sequels to have in one year, especially when we're not seeing the kind of production we see now. I didn't watch you know, 40, 50, 60 horror films from 1990. I watched 20. 20 are all that I've seen. And I haven't seen a number of these sequels. It's just due to interest and perceived quality of them, I think. Other than the sequels, we also had a number of remakes and adaptations. If we're looking at that, we had an adaptation of the novel Frankenstein Unbound, had an adaptation of the Stephen King story Graveyard Shift, It and Misery. We had Nightbreed, which is based on Cabal from Clive Barker. We had a Night of the Living Dead remake. Had another adaptation of Phantom of the Opera. I've never heard of this one, but I did see it on the list there. Then we had Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, which was the movie version of an anthology show that ran back on TV. And we had Two Evil Eyes, which were adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe's work, maybe a little looser than some of these other ones. Those were the adaptations remakes we had. In total, that's 23 of these major releases were sequels or remakes and adaptations. That's crazy to think about. If you want to compare that, I looked at 2019, which would be our last normal year for horror films. There were only 10 remakes and sequels that I had seen that year out of, I believe, 43. It was 40-something. So you can imagine there were a lot more films released, double the films that I had seen from 1990, and less than half were remakes and sequels. That just tells you the state of where things were. I don't think a lot of money was being pumped into the industry for new ideas. We were relying on the films that they knew could make money. These big Stephen King book adaptations were huge. Stephen King printed money back through the 80s and into the 90s. And then, of course, we stand with our stalwarts like Child's Play, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Predator, we've got Psycho, and others. You really get a good sense of where the industry is. There's not a lot of original material going on out there. When we look into the box office, it's going to be a little more disappointing even when we're not seeing those original films rewarded. Overall, if we're comparing it to other years, it had a pretty long list of films that I have actually seen, which is good going for it. If you go back to some of the 80s list, I don't know if I've even had 20, which I just dug a little more in and caught some of these movies before I recorded this episode. So I did go back through my backlog and clean that out for 1990. If I went back and did that for some other years, I'm sure I would have more on their list. But I do think it's a good quantity for the time. As far as the quality of films, and we can get into that later when I'm going into each one of them, there's some really cool and interesting stuff near the top of the list. And I think it's a solid top 10. There's just not much inspiration going on there. And we would see a lot more inspiration. It's hard now because we're looking at all of these independent films that are coming out and all these cool new visions that are getting put out on the screen by these creators. And there's just such a glut of horror. We are in a golden age for horror. We are in, I don't know if we'd call it the golden age. Let's back that up. But it's definitely a time we're going to remember when we look back in horror history. And I hope it lasts for a while. This renaissance in horror with all these great quality films that are getting released year after year, it's just amazing. And we're so spoiled with what we get. When I'm seeing 70, 80 horror films a year, 
And not all of those are going to be good, sure. But the vast majority of them are entertaining, at least. So being spoiled and going back to the year 1990, which isn't particularly great, it's a little hard. Okay, we've got a tiny bit of background there on what's going on. I don't want to get in focus too much because we are going to talk about this in depth on an episode sometime in the future. We'll be talking about these periods. These are just meant to be shorter, little fun episodes where I get to talk about something that I normally wouldn't talk about. Kind of leave the history behind a little bit. Let's move on to the box office numbers. I think this is pretty cool. I'm going to do a top 10, in this case a top 11. I don't know how some people feel about treating one of these films on this list as horror. So I included an 11th just in case. But I think this is pretty cool. If you don't like this, you think it's boring, um, this box office numbers top 10 talk, then please let me know and maybe we'll investigate not doing that on a later one of these. For now, though, I'm going to go ahead and go down through. Now, I'm going to start at number one for this list. We'll go down through. We'll say which film is at which position. Uh, what was it overall based on all films. What it brought in as the box office from what we can tell. And what the budget was and the release date. I used Box Office Mojo to get these box office numbers. I think there's some conflicting sources on a few of these. When we're going down through, I don't know how accurate it is. One of these I looked and it said source 1993. I don't know if that included re-releases or anything like that. I'm just going to stick with what Box Office Mojo has. I know it's a lot harder back then to come up with these box office numbers. It's not like today where we have so much access to box office numbers and what everything's doing every weekend and what they did in every single territory. We just don't have that data on horror films. So going down through Box Office Mojo their list of domestic grosses on these. So the number one film was Flatliners. Not surprising overall. I think it's got some good actors in it, and it just seems like a film that might be doing good on that time. You know, Joel Schumacher's coming off of The Lost Boys, so I could see that being the number one film. Now this ranked 16th overall, so we do not have a horror film in the top 10. I don't think that's abnormal. I'll go into that a little bit later. Flatliners released on August 10th, 1990. It had a budget of $26 million, so a pretty decent-sized budget. From that, on its original box office run, it made $61.5, let's call it, million. So it made a decent amount. It's not anything to write home about, I don't think. Number two is Arachnophobia. It charted 19th overall. This is more of a comedy horror, but I still consider it horror myself. That's up to you to decide what you think about it. Uh, that one released on July 20th, so another summer movie. And that makes sense that these were summer movies. And you'll see the top three on here are all summer movies, and it makes sense that summer movies just make more usually. Arachnophobia grossed $53 million on a $22 million budget. It's in the same category as Flatliners. Flatliners made a little bit more, but spent a little bit more. So they're not too far off as far as budget to what they brought in. And these are two, again, bigger budget films. Number three is the sequel to Gremlins. Gremlins 2 comes in at 29th overall, so we're dropping pretty drastically here. It was released on June 15th. Budget on this one was $30 million, and it brought in $41 million at the box office. 
So not not too great. I don't know if marketing is included in that these budgets that I've got. I can't imagine that it is. I don't really know how much these top three films even came out in the black. I don't know if they've come out on the right side or not. It's hard to see them making that much money when they have these high budgets and marketing is not tied into it. Not a great outlook on the horror industry so far this year. It's not like they're making these movies for a million dollars and going and grossing 12, 13, 14 million. That's a pretty good day. That's a pretty good day back in the early 80s. And we did have some inflation going on. We can take that into consideration. Number four was Misery. It came in at 33 overall. It was released on November 30th, pretty late for a horror movie. Here's the first one we had conflicting reports on. Box Office Mojo has it domestically making around $38 million. Um, I saw another number that had it $61 million. I don't know if that's including international. That seems better for a Stephen King adaptation, especially when this big and with stars in it. If that's the case, that would put this as one or two overall, but we're going to keep it at four based off apples to apples, what Box Office Mojo is giving us. This one had a budget of $20 million. So again, we're in that same category where it's not necessarily making much money. It's about the same. If we have if that $61 million number is correct, then we're sitting about the same as Flatliners or Arachnophobia, and they don't seem like they made much either. Number five, this is going to be the controversial one. I don't know how many people count Predator 2 as a horror movie or not. I think there's enough there to consider it a horror movie. I've went back and forth on that. I added the 11th one just in case anyone gets picky about that. Predator 2 released on November 21st. It ended up making $30.5 million. I've got another number. This is another one here where it says 51, $57 million. And it's on a 20 to $30 million budget. If that $30 million, $31 million is correct for the box office and it was on a 20 to $30 million budget, that's not good either. <laughs> this might be our first one that lost money. But again, if it had that $57 million, who knows? Number six is Child's Play 2, coming in at 42 overall. So we're out of the top 40 now. Child's Play 2 came out on November 9th, and it made $28.5 million on a $13 million budget. And that, to me, does not seem like a sequel printing money. That's what we were talking about earlier. We were thinking about things like the Friday the 13th sequels or the Halloween sequels. They kept doing them and kept doing them. you got to be thinking they're making some money. Based on these Child's Play 2 numbers, that doesn't seem like they're making that much money. This is the lowest budgeted movie we've talked about so far in this list. So maybe that helped out a little bit, but not that impressive for a sequel. Number seven is Jacob's Ladder. It came out on November 2nd. So you'll see a trend here. The last four have come out in November, which is a little weird for horror movies. Again, maybe you don't call Predator 2 a horror movie, and maybe Misery, Jacob's Ladder aren't straight-up horror movies. I don't know. But they all did release in November pretty much back-to-back. It was like Jacob's Ladder, Child's Play 2, Predator 2, 
misery right there in November. That's a pretty busy November. So if I hadn't said this was 50th overall, I couldn't remember. This is the last one in the top 50. So we've got seven horror films in the top 50. It made $26 million on a $25 million budget. Not good. So this in Predator 2, the first two films, if we're adding in marketing to this, that probably did not make back their money. Number eight was The Exorcist 3, and it was 51st overall, so we don't have to go far from Jacob's Ladder. It's right next to it. This one released back in the summer on August 17th. It made $26 million on an $11 million budget. Again, that's not terrible. That's in that Child's Play 2 range. It's not bad, but for a sequel, it's diminishing returns at this point already. Number nine is Tremors. That one dropped all the way down to 76th overall. So we were at 51 with The Exorcist 3, dropped all the way down to 76 to find our next horror film, and it's Tremors. Now that one released in G January 19th. That's a little understandable. That's, that's not a particularly good place to drop a horror movie, or any movie. That's generally been a dumping ground for things that you don't want to put out in the holiday season because you know it's not going to be that good, but we have to get this movie out. Let's dump it in January and February. And again, let's look back to our last point of reference where the box office was normal. Things like The Turning, The Grudge Remake, Fantasy Island, all these films were dumped out in January, February. That's typically what studios ended up doing with these films. And not that that speaks to any of the quality of trimmers, they probably just didn't know what they had on their hands. So Tremors had a $10 million budget, which isn't bad for what came out of that. And it only made $16.5 So we're not talking very much here with Tremors. It did luckily spawn a long-running franchise. So maybe the, again, maybe these numbers aren't do or die. But it just doesn't seem like a very good picture of the industry at this time. It doesn't seem like we're making very much. It seems like budgets are bloated and they're just not making what they need to be making. Number 10, Graveyard Shift, another Stephen King adaptation. This one was 95th overall, so we're almost to that 100 point. We snuck in a 10th or a 9th, depending on how you look at it, horror film in the top 100. This one released on October 26th, so right there in the heart of the Halloween season. It was a $10.5 million budget and only made $11.5 million. So again, not a good look. And that number 11, that bonus that I put in there, is Nightbreed. And Nightbreed finished at 112th overall, which, again, not, not too great. Nightbreed was released on February 16th. It had an $11 million budget, and the numbers I was seeing were $8.8 million domestically. So that's our first loser based on budget. Now, I do have another number that says maybe $16 million. I just don't know how accurate that is and if it includes any kind of re-releases or later releases. That gives you a good picture of what was going on at the time, what kind of films were charting here. Not a lot of original stuff, but there's not a lot of original stuff in the year period. If we want to look back on our point of reference of 2019, this one has 9 or 10, however you look at it, 
horror films that grossed in the top 100 on box office mojo for that year if we look at 2019 it had 14 chart in the top 100 so not a whole lot more and there are more coming out in 2019 there were more movies that came out in 2019 so it's not that bad maybe not that uncommon and i don't think we had anything in the top 10 either so i know we've had those phenomenons of horror films that have just broken records 2019 didn't have those so 2019 and 1990 not that far off in the box office standpoint okay so that's it for the accountant's boring number talk there (laughs) hopefully you found that interesting i think it's really interesting to see which films charted from top to bottom where they ranked overall and how the overall horror industry was doing at the time for the last part of this episode i'm going to go over to letterboxd and pull up my list of top 20 horror movies from 1990. for this i'm just going to start from number 20 and go backwards Again, there are films that I haven't seen. If there's something not on this list that you really enjoy and you think I should see, let me know. Contrary to what father and son watch horror movies would lead you to believe, I have not seen everything. So if there is something else out there that you really think I should see on this list, just let me know. Starting off at number 20, I don't know how many friends I'm going to make on this list, but number 20 I had Gremlins 2. Gremlins is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. At certain points in my life, it's been between you know the top 25 and the top 10, even, at one point, of horror movies. So I love Gremlins. I don't know what it was about Gremlins 2, but I just couldn't get into it. I loved how it started. I don't know if it was the all of this like self-aware meta-horror, the startings of the meta-horror there, that postmodern breaking the fourth wall stuff, but it was just ridiculous to me, and I just couldn't get into it. That's nothing against if you like Gremlins 2. I think it has a cool premise. I just, it's never going to live up to the original for me. Number 19, I have Shockma. This is probably considered a beastly freak movie. We're looking at a monkey that's going on a rampage on some college students. Shockma's okay. It's alright. There's nothing special really about Shockma. It's got a cool premise, but the acting here I just can't get behind, and I never really loved Shockma. Not much more to say about that one. Or my number 18, which I have as Graveyard Shift. I haven't seen Graveyard Shift in a long time. It's been years and years since I've seen Graveyard Shift. I don't remember it liking it that well, but from what I can remember, I think I still like it better than Gremlins 2 and Shockma, which are more recent watches. I'm just going to leave Graveyard Shift there for now. I can't imagine it getting higher on this list. It might go lower if I rewatched it, but do I have the time to rewatch Graveyard Shift? And the answer is probably no. Number 17. This is another one that's not going to make me any friends. I have The Exorcist 3. I just found this film to be a little plodding and a little boring. I think it has some great acting in it, but I just couldn't get into it. I don't know for what reason. I think there's some cool scenes in it, but you know that jump scare was already ruined for me when I saw it in a thousand gifts. I knew it was going to come up. It didn't scare me. It didn't get me. 
unfortunately that was ruined for me and I hate that but I just couldn't connect with The Exorcist 3 number 16 I have Predator 2 so Predator 2 is a weird one I just rewatched it the other day because I hadn't seen this one since I was really young. I used to go over to my grandparents' house and my grandpa would always have, you know, he had HBO, he had stars, he had all those extra channels, and he would always have some kind of movie that was probably inappropriate for us playing at the time when I was over there, and Predator 2 was one of them. So I remember Danny Glover and Gary Busey, I remember the ending scenes. And I remember a couple other things, but I didn't remember too much, so I thought I would go back and revisit it. Well, it didn't hold up very well for me. I was not a huge fan of it. I love the first Predator. I even like Predators and The Predator, which just came out a few years ago. But for whatever reason, Predator 2 could not get into it, could not get invested into it. It's a fine movie. It's okay. Number 15, Flatliners, that falls into the same category as It's Okay. This was one I just recently watched for the first time, and it has some really good parts and some really cool stuff. Not much there for me, it's just one of those middle-of-the-road 90s horror films. Number 14, I had Maniac Cop 2. I like Maniac Cop better, of course, but Maniac Cop 2 thinks a lot. A lot of more of the same. It's still a pretty good film. If, if you like the first Maniac Cop, it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it yet. Again, like the rest of these middle of the packs, I don't have anything really negative to say about them. I don't have much positive to say about them. It's just kind of there. Number 13, I've got Tales from the Dark Side. This was also part of my recent 1990 binge. This is an anthology movie based off of the television series, which was itself an anthology. So similar to a if you're not familiar, similar to a Twilight Zone, to the Twilight Zone movie type of thing. The wraparound I found decent at parts, and I really liked the last story. Everything else in here was just okay. It started off pretty strong with that 90s feeling at the very beginning of the wraparound. I really liked the music playing, but it just tails off, unfortunately, other than that last story. Number 12, the Night of the Living Dead remake. Night of the Living Dead is my favorite out of the Dead trilogy. I just really love that film. I tended to stay away from remakes a lot earlier on, so I didn't watch a lot of them, mainly due to what was coming out in the aughts when I was growing up, and all those remakes just did not hit me the right way. I tried to stay away from remakes for the most part, but I heard this was pretty good and it had Tony Todd. It was directed by Tom Savini, so that's pretty cool. I think it's a decent movie. I think it's definitely worth a watch. But it was never going to get anywhere close to the original Night of the Living Dead. I really do like Tony Todd in it, but not enough to boost this over into a great movie category. Number 11 is Bride of Reanimator. Reanimator is one of those movies I got into early on when I was first getting into this stuff. Right out of college, I would just binge horror movies all weekend to get caught up because I hadn't watched a whole lot up until that point in my life. The original Reanimator was one that just really struck with me and I've watched it several times since but it's one of those that stood out and it's hard for it not to stand out from that original watch and those original movies I was watching. It's easy that some of them could get lost in the shuffle. Reanimator's not one that's going to do that. I held off on the sequels for the longest time. I finally ended up giving Bride Reanimator a shot 
And it's a pretty enjoyable movie. I think it's really cool. I think the new love interest does a good job here. And the story is really cool, too. They amped up the story in this one. Definitely one of the better sequels. Okay, getting into the top ten. Now, number ten for me is Jacob's Ladder. The only reason Jacob's Ladder is this low is because of that awful ending. I cannot stand the ending to Jacob's Ladder. There are so many cool scenes, and it's such a good story about this whole conspiracy theory leading up into those final moments, and wow. The team behind this certainly took a chance and made a choice, and for me, that choice was just awful. This is one of my least favorite type of endings. It ruins almost every movie it's in. Not going to spoil what the ending is, but Jacob's Ladder is a really fun ride. You may enjoy the ending, too, depending on what your tastes are. That's just the one thing that's always kept Jacob's Ladder from being a classic for me. Number nine, Child's Play 2, another one of my recent watches. I haven't gotten too far into a lot of horror movie franchises. I've just heard for so many years how bad a lot of the entries have been. Well, I've started the past several years of going back and watching some of the sequels that I've never seen before. I was holding off on Child's Play 2 for the longest time, and I finally decided, well, hey, I'll just give it a chance now that I'm doing this 1990 thing. It didn't disappoint. This movie, it's not perfect. It's not matching the original Child's Play. And for me, maybe something controversial, but I like the remake of Child's Play better than this as well. This just feels like the time period it was in. I go back to when I was watching these things on AMC during their Fear Fest or their Fear Friday or whatever they had going on. Especially the Fear Fest, watching these kinds of movies from this time period in the afternoon in the fall. Just brings back a lot of memories and this one hit those notes for me. Again, it's not perfect, but it's a pretty good sequel. Number eight is the last of my recent watches that I was doing for the past week or so. And that one is Mirror Mirror. This was recommended on Horror Movie Podcast by Gil Manjol, and it didn't disappoint. It's pretty cheesy, I think. I didn't enjoy the ending that much, but the way this film started was just really strong. It grabbed me from the beginning. Again, I love the time period it's set in. I love this 1990s feel, the early 90s at least. Sometimes in that late 80s, 90s period, there can be some pretty cringe-inducing stuff. I don't feel this falls into that category. I think there's two types. There's the Pet Cemetery, where those characters really just turn me off, and I really cannot stand the characters in that movie, other than Fred Gwynn, of course. But I do think there are two different distinct settings, if that makes sense. And Mirror Mirror has the one that I enjoy. It seems like that movie you'd see on TV as a kid or something like that was ramped up just a little bit more with horror. I really like that. I think that might be one of the lesser seen films on this list. If you haven't seen that, even after horror movie podcast recommendation, I would check that out if the synopsis and everything sounds interesting. Number seven is It, the TV miniseries. It was one of those movies growing up along with Candyman and Leprechaun and all those that were just ingrained in 90s kids even if you hadn't seen it. So you're growing up in the 90s, that was the big pop culture thing at the time. Everyone knew about it, everyone knew about Candyman, everyone knew about all that. Well, it was a long time before I actually saw this, and the first part of this is really good. Um, The back half, the second half, the adult portion is 
not as good, which is the same case with the remake, but I just think the remake is so much better as a whole, and I don't think there's much reason to go back to this one except for that opening. I know I'm probably making a lot of people mad here with this opinion, but that's just my opinion. Even that second part of the remake is so much stronger than the second part of the original miniseries. That's just my opinion. Other than that, it is a really creepy movie, and it still holds up. It's of its time, for better or for worse. If I was to recommend today, if someone hadn't seen either, I would recommend the two newer films over this. Number six, Two Evil Eyes. It's an anthology film with Dario Argento and George A. Romero. And here they both adapt a different Edgar Allan Poe story, some of that more loose than others. I think Argento blended a lot of Poe stuff into his segment, The Black Cat. Both are very solid. It's an entry for Argento I think is overlooked a lot of times. We usually end on opera and then it's like, well, everything else is crap. And that's not completely true. I don't agree with that in general, but especially not with Two Evil Eyes. It's a very solid anthology film. Even if it is based on adaptation, it's still... They still manage to have their own identity, and these are two horror legends combining here, so definitely worth watching. Number five is Tremors. Tremors is something I saw pretty young, and I watched, I think, the whole series up to a point. I think the third one was the last one I watched. I was really obsessed with this series as a kid. I rewatched it a couple years ago, and I was not into it, and I just turned it off. That made me really sad, and... I was glad when I rewatched it recently that it held up and it really was the cool film I remember from a kid. There's still some parts with the dialogue and some of the characters and things like that, but it's a very solid film and it's a really cool premise of creatures that are burrowing up from the ground. The Graboids, I think, stand the test of time and are right up there with some of the more iconic monsters in the genre. Number four, Arachnophobia. I do enjoy horror comedies not all the time I think I have to be in a certain mood and they have to be of a certain style there are definitely some that rub me the wrong way but arachnophobia is another one of those that I saw at my grandpa's house when I was a lot younger and it really stuck with me I rewatched it not too long ago maybe a couple years ago I mean I'll watch anything with John Goodman in it I love John Goodman cannot recommend arachnophobia enough unless maybe you're deathly afraid of spiders and in that case, I mean, I say, you know, push through that and still watch this movie. If I have this deadly fear of birds and I can watch Hitchcock's The Bird or I can watch the opening of Opera, then I think you can get through a little bit of arachnophobia. Number three, I have Nightbreed. Such an interesting movie, such a cool concept and designs in this. And David Cronenberg actually acting here. Nightbreed is such a cool and weird film. I haven't been able to watch the director's cut version that I bought, but I'm really excited to dig into that and see how much content has changed and see what's added to it. I'm a huge fan of Clive Barker's stuff for the most part, so I just really love this film. When I watched it, I couldn't believe I hadn't seen it before. It just became instant classic on the level with something like Hellraiser for me. Number two is Hardware. This is a really sleazy sci-fi horror movie about robots gone awry and if you haven't seen hardware i really do recommend it it's a really cool film it has its own identity it's not your typical horror sci-fi 
it's really down and dirty, I guess, if I want to describe it, describe the way it is. There's some pretty gross stuff in this film, but there's so much cool stuff as well, and the world building is just great, and I think this is also an underseen film. I know this doesn't sit as high on some people's list as others, but I just really loved it from the first time I watched it and couldn't get enough of it. And number one, Stephen King's Misery. Misery is just an all-time classic. I had watched this years ago as well, and it's just an incredible story with incredible acting here. I don't know what else I can say about this film that hasn't already been said, and I'm pretty sure most people have seen this at, at this point. Even if you're not really into horror movies that much, it's a pretty broad mainstream movie. There were so many Stephen King adaptations that were getting more into the mainstream around that time, and I think this is one of them. It's much more of a thriller for sure, but there are some horrifying moments as well. So that is my top 20 list for the year 1990 for horror films. I honestly, even though, you know, I'm not a huge fan of things like Predator 2 or The Exorcist 3 or Gremlins or Shockma, I think really any of these are worth a watch for most people. I don't know if something like Graveyard Shift or Shockma are going to hit you. I don't think they're great films by any stretch of the imagination. I would check out pretty much anything else on this list before those. I think most people do like Gremlins too. So not a bad year to be born under. There are definitely better years, especially if you go a little bit earlier. My daughter, I think, is going to have an incredible year of 2019. And that's why I was using that year as the comparison as well. But we all can't be born under those kind of circumstances. So we have to be happy with what we got. And I think 1990 provided enough solid content. If you're ever curious to revisit this list, it is over on my Letterboxd. Just search Trey Whetstone. You should find me if you don't already follow me over there. And that's going to do it for our year in review for 1990 episode. Hit me up and let me know what are your favorite movies from 1990. What are your favorite horror movies from 1990? Let me know what your list looks like. Let me know how wrong I am on my list. Let me know if you have any interesting facts about the year at all. Other than that, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Screaming Ages. You can head over to our website at ScreamingThroughTheAges.com where we host all the podcast episodes or send an email to ScreamingThroughTheAges at Yahoo.com. Next week, we'll be back with a normal episode as we continue coverage on Val Luton. I want to thank everyone for listening and checking out this bonus podcast where I'm just kind of going off and rambling about the year 1990. Let me know if you enjoy this, if you want more of this type of stuff, and I'll try to get these bonus episodes out whenever I can. So keep tuned out there for your next bi-weekly horror movie history lesson.